So we've been talking about this this week, energy prices soaring in many different areas, all around the world, in fact. Um, UK being hit very hard with a bunch of things, Some, a number of locations uh, in Europe. Uh, Chinese factories have been shut down due to the costs of power and uh, heating and all that sort of stuff. So it, it's a global phenomenon, and we are going to experience it here in Canada. You know we're paying record prices at the pumps right now, right across the country from coast to coast. And now we're hearing, uh, be ready for increased costs to heat your home this winter because natural gas is going up. So when you take a look at it, natural gas one year ago was going for two fifty a gigajoule. Today it's almost six bucks. So there's your bottom line. Now, yes, there are other complicating factors: the pandemic, of course, the carbon tax uh, is causing uh, cost increases of about a dime when it comes to a liter of gas. It's also causing about a buck, buck and a half, roughly per gigajoule when it comes to natural gas. So yeah, that certainly does play into it, but there's other factors at play here as well. And bottom line is it's going to affect all of us when we go to heat our homes this winter. And it will affect some people more than others. So let's get some insight on that. We're going to talk to uh, talk to Soheb Shahid, who is the Director of Economic Innovation at the Conference Board of Canada. Soheb, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Shay. You know, when we take a look at this, we all pay the same cost for heating our homes. So all, you know, it's fair to say that all Canadians are going to experience this and they're going to feel the pain of this increase. But when you take a look at how, how it affects different people in different ways, you can start to see some delineation there, right? Yes, you can. You know, because if you look at, the, uh, if you look at low-income Canadians, you see that uh, you know, they spend a larger proportion of the income on utilities such as heating, electricity, and water. You know, they also tend to have less energy-efficient homes, which makes it really difficult to save on energy. You know, my worry is that uh, if gas prices continue to rise at the same rate, uh, a lot of low-income Canadians will be faced with this trade-off. The trade-off being, you know, should they spend uh, should they spend uh, money on paying down their energy bills, mm-hmm. or should they spend on the necessities of life like food, shelter, and clothing? Now, and if we don't see gas prices coming down anytime soon. Uh, you know, I'm concerned that uh, a lot of low-income households may have to forego on the necessities of life just so that they can pay their energy bills. But, I mean, is it really a choice that we can make, Sohib, in this country? I mean, ultimately, you need to heat your home, right? I mean, that's part of the problem when we're talking about these energy prices is you can try and mitigate it as best you can, but ultimately, you still do have to pay the price. Yes, that's right. You, you ultimately have to still pay the price. But again, there's a, there's a different price that uh, low-income Canadians pay versus high-income Canadians. You know, if you look at uh, high-income households, they tend to live in newer houses. They also have more energy-efficient yeah. houses, which allows them to save more on energy. Um, you know, the low-income households, they don't have that privilege. And when we talk about, you know, it's not just the cost of heating your home, right? Because, you know, when we talk about increased energy prices, there's a trickle-down effect there as well that ultimately affects pretty much everything. The products that you buy, everything like that, as energy prices go up, we're all forced to pay more in in almost every way. Absolutely. Uh, You know, higher gas prices, uh, higher energy prices have a knock-on effect on several other sectors. Uh, You know, it can lead to higher transport costs. It can also lead to higher food costs. And speaking of food costs, you know, low-income households spend 15% of their total annual expenditure on food. Compare that to high-income households, only spend about 7 to 8%. 
here again, you see mm-hmm. uh, low-income households being impacted the most, this time through the food channel. Now, we don't have to stop there. If you look at shelter costs, even those go up. Uh, because if you look at Statistics Canada's definition of shelter costs, they include uh, electricity, heat, and water costs under the shelter umbrella. Now, millions of uh, low-income households spend almost a third of their income on shelter costs, whereas high-income households spend only a fifth. You know, whichever way you look at it, the bottom line really is that it's the low-income households that will be hit the hardest. And ultimately, that's just a function of, you know, how much of your overall income ends up being disposable income and how much is going to the essentials, right? And, you know, when those essentials increase, that means it's, it's, a, it's a harder hit for people who are already spending more in that regard anyhow. Absolutely. Um, in terms of, you know, how you can mitigate this, like I, like, I guess that's the point here is there are things you can do, but there's not a lot of things you can do. Um, what kind of advice, I mean, does it fall to government to try and regulate this? We know the NDP had a program in place when it came to energy prices. I know that's happened recently in Spain. Um, do we get to a point where government needs to step in and somehow subsidize this, at least for some people? You know, the government can definitely play a role. And uh, and by the way, all of this is happening even before winter has come. You know, in the winter months, prices of energy go up anyway. But we're seeing, you know, energy prices go up well before winter. So I'm not seeing these prices come down, uh, you know, before the end of this year. In yeah. fact, we will continue to see them going up uh, in the first two to three months of uh, of next year as well. Now, policymakers absolutely have a role to play, but uh, it is a tricky situation. You know, let's just take the example of central banks, right? Um, higher energy prices uh, lead to, you know, what economists call stagflation, which is uh, lower growth and higher inflation. So a central bank uh, and, and Bank of Canada, for example, is they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, right? So should they raise interest rates so that inflation goes down, but that risks lower growth? Or should they allow for more growth, but that risks, uh, that, that leads to a high risk of more inflation? You know, what do they do? Right. Uh, the bank is meeting towards the end of this month. I'll be re- really curious to see what they do. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an expensive winter. I think we can all count on that. Uh, Soheb, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. My pleasure. That is Soheb Shahid, who is the Director of Economic Innovation at the Conference Board of Canada. And uh, if you missed it earlier, we had Dan McTague on talking about gas prices. He's saying, yeah, don't expect any relief at the pumps anytime soon. In fact, we could see things go up a little bit higher. Uh, and he's, you know, he rattled through the list of reasons Um Supply chain problems, right? Um, shortages. And there's also been so many restrictions put on oil and gas in the United States and in this country and things like that, that we've sort of, in a way, hurt ourselves by limiting supply while now demand is starting to ramp up. And it's much the same sort of story when it comes to natural gas. We're seeing the economy start to come back online in a bigger way than they have in the last, well, almost two years now, uh, as the restrictions are being loosened. There's the phase out of coal, which is also helping to drive increased demand for natural gas. So you've got this increasing demand for natural gas all around the world, but at the same time, production simply hasn't been able to keep up to this point. Um, You know, if you take a look at the way that they've approached the last 18 months, they sort of had to be cautious, not knowing what was next. So right now... um, North American uh, liquid natural gas exports are running at peak volume. They're pushing out everything that they can. That's draining inventories um, and reserves. So that's causing more pressure on the price of gas. And uh, it looks like that's the 
trend that we're following for the next little while. And we've seen the price of natural gas go up higher than it's been in six years. Now, we're going to have it bad here in terms of what it's going to cost us. But in other parts of the world, things are getting very, very severe. Um, In Europe and the United Kingdom, supply shortages there have gotten to the point where they're talking about potential outages this winter. And uh, as I said, the government in Spain recently brought in a subsidy program because energy costs there jumped by a third overnight almost. And uh, they decided that they had to do something to step in. So I don't know <clears throat> in terms of how you try and get around it in this country. It's, it's tight. It, it's really, really hard to do. You know, I mean, you turn down your thermostat. That's essentially the advice that comes along with all these stories is how can you make the best of this? What can you do? Um, not a whole lot, right?